I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I am your host. I am back after a two-week hiatus. It is Liam at the FSA tweets on Twitter. Um, as you can tell, my setup is slightly different. Um, I've just gone through moving house, so no external mic. My internet cuts out, and we're on a temporary one, so that might be why things get a bit spotty. But I've got Rich back. Um, it's the first time in at least two weeks. It might even be three, Rich, that we're back on a pod together. So how are you four. doing, mate? How's your playoffs going? Yeah. Yeah, I'm very good, thank you, mate. It was lovely Christmas. Um, yeah, I think it's four weeks because I think it's we've not done the last three shows together. So yeah, it been a while, but uh, but yeah, good good to have you back. Glad to have you back on. Glad glad the move's gone well, and uh, yeah, looking forward to having a, a talk through the week. Well, let's get started, mate. So um, as usual, we will start with the highest scorers of the week. Um, We'll start off with quarterback. So for those of you that are new that don't listen to the show as often, uh, we go through the highest scorers of the week and we use four-point touchdowns for quarterbacks or PPR for every other position. Um, as I said, we'll start off at quarterback. So that is Dak Prescott with just 30 points, 28.98 points um, as our QB1 on the week. And then Jared Goff and Joe Burrow with around 25 and a half points coming in at QB2 and 3, respectively. Um, moving over to the running back position, Rich, we've got Cam Akers with a monster nearly 35 points. Um, looks like he's coming back strong now. He looks like he's getting a bit healthier, maybe. We wrote him off a little bit too early in terms of getting a bit down on him early on in the season, um, coming back from that Achilles injury. But Richard Guy that we both uh, were both high on having a comeback year, Saquon Barkley coming in as a running back two on the week with 27.3 points. And Leonard Fournette with just over 25 points comes in at running back two. So just circling back to Saquon Barkley, Rich. Um, I mean, as I said, in the preseason, we were both extremely high on 
uh, Barkley having a great year. We both said that he had a wide range of outcomes. He could be the running back one overall. He also could fade into irrelevancy if he had another big injury. Looks like it went the other way. Um, and we did get that top-end ceiling, which has been amazing. So um, 27.3 points on this week. Yeah, he's had, he's had a little bit of a, a poorer run of form, should we say, of late. So it's nice to get him back and, you know, helping people win titles, isn't it? I think like, I, I'm really fascinated to see how his value is going to go through the offseason because this is a guy that, you know, he was, he was I think he was the RB1, if not a top five running back in his rookie season, um, had, you know, incredible production in his second year before he got injured. And then it's basically had two years where he battled injury and didn't really do anything. He's back back this year with a bang. He's RB5 on the season. But he is an impending free agent. I think that the Giants are probably going to franchise him. But who's going to be the quarterback in New York? Are they going to invest on that interior of the offensive line? Like, There's a lot of question marks there. And I just, I'm fascinated. Is he going to be held up as a top three, top four dynasty running back, given the fact he's, you know, he's been in the league five years, he's not a spring chicken anymore. Or are we going to see him kind of drift down into that sort of Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, you know, Mix and Henry, those sort of ageing veterans. He's sort of the one, shall I say, shining light in between the the young upstarts, you know, your um, Brees Halls and Kenny Walkers and your ageing veterans and the sort of Saquon in the middle there. So do you, do you have any thoughts on where he's going to go on the off-season. Do you have any thoughts on potentially his value at all, Liam? Or... Yeah, so um, circling back to his rookie season, he was the running back one overall in PPR. Um, standard, he was running back two. So he had a brilliant season either way, uh, regardless of the scoring system you're in. Um, coming on to the dynasty value, I think that with his... With his perceived youngness, and I'm saying that because he came into the league very young. Um, I mean, he would be 26 at some point next year. Um, no one really seems to talk about that age as an issue for him. No one ever says, okay, Saquon Barkley, um, he's aging like the Christian McCaffrey's of the world. In that era, like um, Alvin Kamara. And um, Aaron Jones. So I think you could still probably get quite a bit for him. And I think because of that, you're also going to see him go higher in startups than I'm going to be willing to pay. I can see him going running back two to three in that range. And um, maybe I'll see you guys like Brees Hall. He'll probably go around that, that Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker range where they're not quite the running back one overall, but they're the next best. And I think that's what we'll probably see. Um, and this kind of goes back to a thing that I was saying halfway through the season where it might be time where we start looking at running backs as a win now and a, and a rebuild kind of list and have two different sets of rankings for those ageing players and those rebuild, those yeah. players that are going to last. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, Saquon, he's, he was RB2 in DLF December ADP, so he's already being valued up at that range. And I just wonder if... You know, as you said, this this is potentially that last sell now window, isn't it? If you're looking to regain maximum roster value, sell at peak, this is your, probably your last off season to sell because I think it's it's only heading one way after you know in next season as such in terms of his value. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be another peak like this. But Rich, let's move on. And um, another guy that you were extremely high on in. The offseason was wide receiver one on this week, uh, C.D. Lamb, and then Devontae Smith came at wide receiver two, and Justin Jefferson, wide receiver three. So names we kind of imagine are going to be around that uh, top three mark in any given week, but C.D. Lamb, wide receiver one on this week. Um, Rich, I'm just going to let you talk about your boy because I, I'm not <laughs> going to spoil your party like that. I mean, he's he's been nothing but incredible, has he? Pretty much all year, he's approaching that thirty percent target share. He's at twenty eight point nine. You know, that's that's held up as superstars, and he's been fantastic. What wide receiver six on the season? Um, 
been very reliable, got a great connection with Dak, and you know, it is still young enough that there's potential upside and potential ceiling that he's he's yet to reach. He's you know, he's he's climbed up to my wide receiver three. He's jumped ahead of AJ Brown now. Um and I th- I think that there's potentially he's really the only guy in the NFL currently that you could see approaching that Jefferson Chase tier, isn't it? I don't know if there's anyone else that's got that potential. If he has another 150 plus target year next year, maybe the Cowboys offense shifts slightly towards a pass first more and, and slightly less run orientated than it's been this year. There's still room for him to kind of grow in terms of his fancy potential. So yeah, it's, it's been fantastic as a guy that owns a, a copious amount of CD Lamb shares. It's been, uh, it's been lovely to see this year. Yeah, he, he has been incredible. And I think that the big thing for CD is he's been sneaky incredible. I don't think many people have kind of been talking about how quite good he is. Um, I mean, I was quite down on him to start the year. Um, and then all of a sudden, I kind of come around on him for 180 and yeah i mean he's not I don't I think the thing is, is he's not had those massively boom top five weeks so if you look at it he's actually only had two top five weeks whereas a guy like justin jefferson has had nine but the difference is is that he's also had nine top 24 weeks um, and I think that's it, is that, you know, yes, C.D. Lamb's not, not been Justin Jefferson this year, but he's just been reliable and consistent, and there's not been many weeks that he's completely burned you, which there's a lot of receivers outside of Justin Jefferson that have, have certainly done that. So, Rich, moving over to Titans, I've said this isn't Titan premium. Um, so that is T.J. Hawkinson as Titan. One has a two-touchdown game. Um, knocked me out of one of my playoffs. Tyler Higby then with um, 30 points, just over 30 points, uh, tight end two. And then George Kittle, tight end three with bang on 30 points. Um, Rich Kittle's got a good two-game stretch going. Um, but we've seen weeks where 15 points has got tight end one wrapped up. Um, so to have some big scores at the tight end position, pretty nice for ones. Yeah, it's, I mean, tight end's been such a wild position this year, hasn't it? You know, outside of Kit, uh, Kelsey, sorry. He's the only one who's been a reliable fantasy option week in, week out. I think, you know, I think I tweeted out the other day, the difference between Kelsey's tight end one and what was Andrews at tight end two is the same as the difference between Andrews and like tight end 30. Um, Hawkinson's actually jumped ahead of Andrews now as the tight end two. I think that that move for the the Vikings has been fantastic. It certainly unleashed him. And are, are we? Is it worth having the conversation? Is Hawkinson creeping into that top tier of dynasty tight ends? Are we ready to throw him in the same stratosphere as Andrews, Kelsey, and uh, and Pitch? You know, he's outproduced two of them this year. Does he deserve to be held up there? Um. I think the issue we're going to see with Hawkinson is he's quite up and down. And I think a lot of people don't expect the tight end position to be so up and down, but he he really has been. Um, But the same could be said for guys like Kittle. Like Kittle's had either over 10 points or near enough under five points every week. He's been back. He's had some incredible games, but he's also burnt you in a lot of places um if we look at if we look at um hawkinson's game um if we look at hawkinson's game log sorry you're you're looking at you've got two over 35 point games you've got a, a 15 point game and then you've got a bunch of 11s 10s or lower than that so i think with tight end, you might even just be looking for high end ceiling at this point, rather than the current the constant ten to fifteen points. Because I don't think any tight end outside of the top two, like Kettle and um, like uh, Kelsey and um, Andrews, you're not going to get that consistency out of anyone else. And even Andrews, you could argue, hasn't really been consistent this season. So he's killed. 
Um, He's killed teams down the stretch, hasn't he? There's plenty of playoff teams yes. that I've got that have got Andrews that have done nothing because um, you know you're relying on him giving you that positional advantage and he's been pretty yes you know there's been quarterback issues and changes but he's been horrific for fantasy the last few weeks yeah so you are uh, you are struggling a little bit at tight end regardless of who you have unless it's kelsey um and i think that it's tough to call it a top five right now it's top one kelsey and then there's maybe a top four top um, uh, following five or six players that you could probably slot in around that um but i know a lot not a lot of people like titans so let's move on rich before we bore more um of our listeners next up we've got the significant news so um if you didn't know it is the championship week if uh you do have any uh teams in the championships good luck um, it's also the toilet bowl consolation bracket, um, toilet bowl consolation bracket championships. I don't really know. Um, I don't pay attention if I get into any of those. I kind of just set my light up and that's it. Um, so if you are in any of those championships to try and win the league, good luck. But you're going to need to stay here to listen to this um, significant news so we can keep you updated if you do have any of these players. First up, Aaron Jones, he's still dealing with that ankle injury from week nine. He, I can't imagine anyone not starting him unless you have an insanely um, stacked roster. So you're just probably going to see a dip in volume like you have been seeing for the past few weeks. Um, you're just hoping he gets into the end zone. Jamal Williams, um, knee injury also could be an MCL. No one really knows the the team hasn't really given much information about that. Um, but he did return back to the game this week. So just double check his um, practice report. And that's going to be a running theme for this week. Christian Watson left the game with a hip injury, didn't return. Um, so he's described as day to day as well. Again, check your injury reports uh, going through the week. Tyler Lockett um, could be. Back this week, check your injury reports. Uh, he broke his thumb, finger, one of them. Um, but looks like he's he's getting to the end of that stage, so he should be back. And Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, both could be back this week. And um, just monitor those practice reports, those injury reports. Um, some big news, Rich, to attack by Lower had another concussion. Um, I mean, I didn't catch it in person when I was watching, but uh, or in live when it was playing. But it's just uh, an interesting one. This is a third concussion on the season. Um, he does need to clear the protocol to play. But which where do you go with Tua right now? I think look, he's he's kind of slightly radioactive in terms of this season. I think that whenever a player Look, concussions are a really serious issue. And whenever a player is having a third concussion in a season, I think we need to start getting serious concerns. And I think that, you know, obviously we had the issue with Miami, you know, him, whether it be the NFL doctors or whatever, he didn't get a concussion, but then he did. And then he played the following week and got another concussion. And, you know, it, it was that was horrific earlier in the season. Hopefully he's all right now with this third concussion. But I think that we've got, two season two weeks left in the season the dolphins are playing the patriots this week and they've got the jets next week that's their kind of season on the line basically they need to win one of those two games in order to make the playoffs i don't know whether we're going to see two are definitely I'd, I'd be gobsmacked if we saw him this week and i'd be shocked if we saw him next week because i think when you're getting to that third concussion in a season you know, you're, the, the team almost need to be doing what's best for Tua and saying, right, you, you're done for the season. If we make the playoffs, you can play then. But, you know, let's 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 seriously, it's not just about clearing concussion protocol because they said just because a player clears the protocol doesn't mean they've kind of, they've overcome their concussion. That can take weeks or two weeks. It's, it's a reduced risk of, of re-injury in terms of the concussion. So 
yeah, I, I think if you've got Tua this year, you're, you're probably looking at you're not going to use him again this year from fantasy, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one in terms of will the team actually do what's right for the player? Um, like, if you're being sensible about it, I can't imagine to replace the next two weeks. Um, but it's the NFL. I, I really don't know whether he'll play or not. Um, but Rich, last little bit of uh, before we get to the last little bit of news, I noticed that you also wanted to talk a bit about Tyler Lockett, but I was in a flow, so I just flew through all those practice injury reports. So, um, what did you say on Tyler Lockett? So I don't yeah, skip over it. Just one, I think, from a fantasy perspective, probably write him off this week. I think I'd be shocked if he did come back. He had surgery on a broken finger or thumb or whatever it was. It seems remarkably quick to recover and play. They're also going up against the Jets. Now, the Jets have got lots of faults, but I think the secondary is very good, and I'd be shocked if Lockett is going to be a plug-and-play this week. Yeah, um, nothing more to add there. But while we're on the Jets, Rich, um, I want to get your opinion on this. Mike White is back in as the starting quarterback. Zach Wilson has been benched, and not even to the backup spot, but one further, and he's now actually going to be inactive during the game, and it Flacco that he's going to be backing up. So, yeah, Rich, I think I want to get your opinions as a Jets fan on this and for fantasy. Zach Wilson's days in New York are done, I think. Um, I think if the Jets can't trade him in the offseason, I think they're going to release him. I think he's sadly he's he's played poorly, but I think his press conference and the way he's carried himself has kind of done more of the damage, quite frankly. I think he's he's now not not welcome basically in the locker room. So, I think. You know, hopefully from a Jets perspective, we can get maybe a day three pick from him for some team taking a flyer. But I think he's he's now basically done. Rich, let's move over to the dynasty start market and I'll throw it over to you to tell us the first riser you've got on your list. Yeah, you might have to bear with me. I'm, I'm currently dying in the background, so uh, I'll, I'll try and get this through this as quickly as possible. Um, so you hinted on me earlier. Um, Cam Akers, obviously huge performance, running back one on the week. He's naturally, you know, his his value is going to go up. People are going to start talking about whether he's, you know, the running back to own in Los Angeles moving forwards. Hopefully this offense is going to take a step forwards when, you know, Cup's back, when we're going to see um, Alan Robinson, Matt Stafford, all of that kind of thing. Hopefully a healthy offensive line. I'm still hesitant whether Cam Akers is the long-term running back, I think. You know they they tried to, they tried to trade and they tried to give him away at the just before the trade deadline. I can't believe that they're suddenly going to be like right, this is the guy for us long term. So I do think they potentially bring somebody in, whether it be draft or free agency, um, to at least compete with him. Um, but if you were able to buy super low, if you were able to, you know, ride the value wave, then um, yeah, I think for me, I'd probably sell for any second round pick. Um, but there is potential that he could, you know, if you continue to hold him, that, that value is only going to go up. Yeah, um, I kind of agree with you on this. I, I struggle to value him as a lead back because every year he's been in um, been in the, the round system. They've never trusted him fully with the back. With the ball, I mean, he's got up to 70% snaps a few times in, in, a, in a few games, but You've had guys like Malcolm Brown, Debrell Henderson that they've um, that they've cut, and guys like um, Kyron Williams taking snaps and opportunities away from him. Yes, he's never going to have 100% snaps and 100% um, opportunity as a running back, but it's kind of concerning that these guys aren't just taking a little bit; they're taking a, a significant amount from occasion. So, um, I struggle with Cam Akers. I really liked him pre-draft and then um, his price skyrocketed um, into early mid-round um, first round uh, in, in the rookie draft so um, I was out at that point and it's just a, a shame for a guy that I kind of liked and then all of a sudden since that has happened I've never agreed with his price um, until he had the Achilles injury then kind of a bit 
sniff, uh, sniffing around him in a few leagues, but I never got anything. Um, but Rich, who's your second riser for this week? So the second one is, I, I think, a sneaky under-the-radar rookie that isn't getting talked about enough. So um, Johan Dotson, he you know, he he had a fantastic start to the season. He then hurt his hamstring in week four and, and kind of disappeared a bit and then has come back and, and had a couple of really good weeks and, and put up over 20 points this week. But he's had five of his nine performances. He's put up over 13 fancy points. And a little quiz question for you here, Liam. Rookie wide receivers, points per game. Where do you think Jahan Dotson currently ranks? Don't um, check and look. I'm already checking and looking, so I feel bad. Um, That's just cheating. I'm going... I mean, it was cheating, but I didn't realise this was going to be a question for me. When I saw wide receiver question mark... Um, on the show sheet, I kind of thought you were still trying to find it, so I thought I was trying to be helpful. Um, I'm going to say, with the type of games he's played, three or four, but I'm looking through now, or have been looking through, and I can't see him at the top, Rich. Yeah, so I mean, these these questions are easy when you cheat, aren't they? So, yeah, look, this this is a guy that was the consensus what, wide receiver eight in terms of rookie drafts? So you had the other five first-rounders, and then you had Sky Moore, Christian Watson, and then in some places, George Pickens going ahead of him. So he was wide receiver eight, wide receiver nine. He's currently the wide receiver four in points per game. The only players that have outproduced him from a fantasy perspective are Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Christian Watson. He is ahead of as in Drake London. As in just rookies, yeah. He is ahead of Drake London. He is ahead of George Pickens. He's ahead of Romeo Dubs, Traylon Burks, Wondell Robinson, Alec Pierce. You miles ahead of Sky Moore. Obviously, Jameson Williams has been injured, but like you name it, rookie wide receivers, they are behind John Dotson. And we, we you know, rook, sophomore wide receivers are like the holy grail aren't they in terms of a dynasty offseason you watch this offseason everybody is going to be talking about trying to acquire chris Olave, garrett wilson Traylon burks george pickens all of those guys are going to get lumped into that hat as a as a must buy and and it feels like nobody's talking about john dotson and i know you take take the mick and say that you know because i i always said that he was in the big six rather than the big five and i stand by that and i think that the talent's there the draft capital's there He's gonna get a better quarterback now. Look, I I can look into my crystal ball and have no idea who that's gonna be, but I can tell you whoever they end up starting under center on week one next year is gonna be better than Taylor Heineke. Is gonna be better than Carson Wentz. So, yeah, the the commanders could potentially move on from Curtis Samuel as well. They say five million if they release him at the end of the year. So I think there is room to grow for Johan Dotson and. Yeah, at the moment, nobody's talking about him. You can probably get him for what late first, early second, something like that. Maybe you can, you know, pivot off another guy to go and get John Dotson. I think he's a really, really um, sneaky under the radar must buy at the moment. Here's a quick question for you, Rich. When he has played over sixty, we'll, we'll go with over seventy percent of snaps. What do you think his lowest position on the week was? Uh, his lowest ranking on the week was when he played over 70% of snaps. So I know he's had five top 24 weeks. So I'm going to say 22. You're, you're not far off. I'll give you that. Wide receiver 20. Yeah, so and if he's, if he's one, going to step two, into three, a full-time four, role next year, over seventy percent snaps, five weeks. So if he's going to if he's going to step into a full-time role in his second year in the league, it's only you know that could be massive for him, couldn't it? I will caveat that and say he scored a touchdown in every single one of those weeks, and he has scored a touchdown in all his games apart from. Week three, um, and then a stretch between week 10 and week 12, where he had a combined two catches through those three weeks. Well, he, 
every are we docking the game. Are we docking Christian Watson for the same amount of? Are we docking Christian Watson the same amount no. for the amount my, of touchdowns he scored is, and how expensive it actually is? Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Is both of these wide receivers? I mean, we weren't talking about Christian Watson, but we may as well now. Both of these wide receivers have been extremely touchdown dependent. They've both got seven touchdowns on thirty-five or less ta- uh, thirty-five or less receptions, um, yeah. and they've both got under five hundred yards. Christian Watson currently four yards under that that point, but both are touchdown dependent. But I don't I don't know whether the fantasy community has really caught up to that, and I think that we've seen from Jahan. Watson, that he doesn't need to be touchdown dependent. Last week really showed that when he's given nine targets, he can go for 76 yards. He had a 105-yard game in week 15. He can do these things. Same with Christian Watson. It's just putting it all together. And um, as you said, I think Jahan Dotson is the still the odd one out of no one really talking about him. Um, and he's probably the one that you could sneakily add um, to your roster rather than a Christian Watson who has blown up headlines and with, with his triple touch get the touchdown game and and guys like Chris Alave who has been um, extremely consistent over the course of this season. Rich, who have you got as um, your faller for this week? So my faller, I think it's less about him and more about the situation around him and, and potential injuries. And it's DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and I, I had one of my patrons message me and ask me and say, is, is DeAndre Hopkins done as a fantasy stud? And my immediate reaction was like, no, of course not. You know, he's, he's 31. I think he's 30, but he's going to be 31 in the offseason. It's like, no, he's going to have time left. And then I went back and looked at it. and I was like... Okay, so he he was a massive buy in the offseason for me. I kept screaming at everywhere I could. He's he's been a wide receiver, top twelve wide receiver in terms of points per game this week, this year. Fantastic. But this last week he was he was rubbish without Kyler. And okay, we talked about the Kyler injury and potentially the impact that that would have. He is Kyler's gone at the end of the year because of this this uh, ACL injury. I don't think we see Kyler next year. There's potential that when the injury is to get him, you know, the amount of money they've they've invested in him, if he is, he comes back kind of mid-season. But if there's a potential world where Cliff Kingsbury's gone, they have a new regime, okay, we're not going to rush Kyler back. Let's have a slow first year in the, under a new regime and we'll build for 2024. Kyler comes back healthy and let's go from there. Well, do you want to keep DeAndre Hopkins on the roster if you've not got a quarterback, they can save like five, six million by releasing him at the end of the year. They could potentially trade him. Eight million. Well, there you go. They could potentially trade him and save even more. Um, And I just, I'm I'm nervous about a 31-year-old potentially moving home or best case scenario, if he stays in Arizona, who's he catching passes from? What? Maybe Andy Dalton, maybe Jacoby Brissett, maybe I, I don't know who else is Colt McCoy. No, none of those excite me. And he's currently being held up as a top 30 wide receiver in DLF ADP. And I just wonder if this offseason people are going to, you know, the reverse of the John Dotson thing, everybody's going to come to a realization and go, oh, DeAndre Hopkins is old. He's not got a quarterback. Why are we valuing him this high? So I reckon you you probably need to be selling right now. And I think like, I, I would take pretty much any 2023 second for him right now. I don't think you need to sell that low. I think you could get an early second for him. But um, but yeah, I, I think you need to be moving on, certainly. Yeah, I, I hate that you put this on the show sheet because DeAndre Hopkins killed me in a matchup. Um, against you in the fancy playoffs in the dynasty listener um, or dynasty league of listeners, which is the sixteen team league that we that you run, Rich, um, where I lost by one point four points and Hopkins had one catch for four yards on ten targets. So I know you put that in there just so I'd mention it, um, <laughs> but that hurt. But 
my core. Um, yeah, I, I think with Hopkins, it's a tough one because he can produce in the in most situations. And it's just the unknown that, that you've been saying that hasn't really made me think actually he could be done and it could be time to move on. Because looking at his contract range, if he is designated as a post-June 1st cut, they would actually save $19.5 million on the cap. He, he costs them nearly $31 million on the cap. That's that's an incredible figure for a wide receiver. And I know that um, he's a top wide receiver, but they've just traded for Marquise Brown. I don't know what his contract situation is, but he's they've just traded a first-round pick for um, Hollywood. So are they going to really keep DeAndre Hopkins for that amount of price? Okay, I've just looked at the contracts. Um, for Hollywood and the Hollywood brand's contract is 13 million cap here and it's fully guaranteed because it's his fifth year option. So are you going to keep those two on your roster for a combined uh, nearly 45 million? I don't think so. Um, and as you said, if he moves on, where does he go to? Is he going to actually um, stay as that stood? I think he can do. I think he's got the talent. But that unknown for me kind of pulls, pulls uh, that away. So do you think that you could maybe try and squeeze out a 23 first for, from, from a fantasy final? I think if you'd have made that realisation two weeks ago before the Kyler injury, I think you definitely could have got a late first for him. I think that sadly with Kyler gone, having put up a complete dud week, I don't think any contender is willing to go, you know what, I'm going to send my first round pick, my one last move I can make before the final to go and get a DeAndre Hopkins who's just laid a complete egg. So I think I think sadly yeah. you're needing, you, you can almost, you, you could potentially play this as a, right, you're going to throw your toys out the pram. DeAndre Hopkins has cost you a title because he, you know, laid an egg in the semi-final. You don't want him on your roster. Whereas actually what you're doing is you're looking ahead and going, I think his dynasty value is going to plummet. I'm going to sell now. Um, so, yeah, I, I I think that you need to be at least exploring that market because it could be that the bottom falls out very quickly in terms of his price. So, Rich, let's move on to the player of the week. Um, first up, I'll, I'll start with a guy that I've already kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, which is Devonta Smith. Um, he was the wide receiver three, uh, wide receiver two, Sorry, on this week with 30, uh, 31.3 points. Wanted to go a little more into depth with him because I think he's been, again, sneaky good. Um, yes, he's had those boom weeks and those bust weeks, and he's been a little bit inconsistent, excuse me, with um, AJ Brown um, also being there. But in the last four games, Rich, he has had more than 10 points in each of those games in PPR. And I know that this is an arbitrary um, dead or point that we, we need to hit. And uh, 10 points seems to be consistency, but 10 points is always going to be good. Um, and over the past four weeks where he scored over 10 points, he's been the wide receiver three in PPR over four weeks. I think that is something that's completely gone under the radar. He's had eight targets in all of but one of his games since the week seven by. So that's over the past nine weeks of play. There's only been one game where he's had less than eight targets, and that was a game where he had two targets. Um, and then this week, just coming back, he scored twenty. Uh, he scored um, thirty-one points, and in that in that game. He had 12 targets, which matched his season-high targets of 12. So I think this is a guy that is still being a little bit undervalued. Maybe if you're talking to the Devonta Smith owner, they are already aware of how good he's been this season. Maybe you can catch someone sleeping, and this is a sneaky bite of someone that I still think has that incredible upside, as we've seen this week, wide receiver too but has also been 
if it will have won you matchups, quite frankly. Yeah, I, th- I think he's, you know, there's nothing not to love, is there? He's a stud. Um, the only thing is that potentially there's some weeks where he's going to disappear if it's an AJ Brown week. Um, but no, I, I think he's fantastic. I think he's been fantastic. I think, you know, the concern about him coming out was his size. He's proof that that doesn't matter. You know, the the touchdown he scored on the weekend was, you know, he, he was on the field and AJ Brown was taken off because they went with their blocking receiver package and he's one of the best blockers in terms of the Philadelphia receiver core. So that shows that that size isn't a problem at all. Um, yeah, re- really impressed with him. And uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of still almost going to kind of buy high off the back of it. Um, so my player of the week, Liam, it's... Look, I, I sit here and I've I've slated volume-based RV2s for years. You know, that sort of plodder that... You know, David Montgomery is pretty much the epitome of this. A guy that isn't exactly exciting, doesn't, you know, send shivers down your spine when you, you put him in your starting lineup and get 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 your juices flowing. Because I think that running back to production can be replaced. So why go and spend up for a David Montgomery or someone like that, in whether it be in a startup or a trade, when you can kind of cobble together similar level production as him with volume-based plays whether it be drafting 10 guys at the end of your draft and waiting for injuries and that kind of thing having said all that the guy my player of the week is is a volume-based rb2 and it's devon singletree um now the reason i really have been really impressed and want to talk about him is that he doesn't come with that rb2 price tag um he was rb36 in dlf december adp he's been really cheap all year i've i've wrote him up a couple of times in my dlf articles He's currently the RB18 on the season. Um, He's coming off another top 24 back week. He's averaging 12 points per game. Um, And he's he's just been so steady, reliable. You know what you're going to get. He's never going to win you a week, but he won't lose you the week. And I think that if you can have that as a flex bait, it's been really impressive. Now, the question I have is that when these things tend to happen is you get to the end of the year, he's probably going to finish, shall we say somewhere in like the running about 16 to 20 range. Everyone's going to look back in January, February time and go, Oh, Devin Singletree was an RB two. Let's draft him as that moving forward. And I think that that's the time that you then potentially look to sell. He is a free agent in the end of the year. The bills have just gone and spent the second round pick on James Cook. I think that they're going to, look at shifting this backfield more towards James Cook than potentially bringing back someone like a Devin Singletary. But he's been really good this year. And the only people that probably realise how good he's been have been the guys that have been rostering him. So, um, yeah, wait wait for the rest of the world to wake up, catch up to say Devin Singletary's been good for fantasy. And, and that's when perhaps you, you look to make that move and sell him. I think the surprising thing about um, Singletary is He's had four running back one weeks, which I didn't expect from him. I've always, as you said, seen him as that volume-based running back. He's always been that kind of um, boring option that doesn't seem to have that ceiling. And yet he was the RB4 in week three against Miami. He was the RB7 last week. Um, And then he's had an RB10 and 12 week back-to-back in uh, weeks uh, 10 and 11. So he's got that upside. The worry for me is that free agency. Um, we've not seen it during his rookie career, uh, his uh, rookie contract, that he's been trusted enough to have the full backfield. They've always had a second or even a third back in that backfield. They traded for Naeem Hines, which was a bit weird. Um, so I don't know what that says about their confidence towards him. Um, but what I wanted to say on him, and sorry to kind of hijack your um, your player of the week, but I kind of wanted to spin it to the other guy in your uh, in the backfield, um, and that was James Cook you mentioned, because he he could be the only running back in this backfield going forward. I mean, Devin Singletary is a free agent. Naeem Hines is um, a guy that has a zero dead cap going forward. So if they don't feel, the Bills don't feel like they've got anything from him this season or um, don't feel like he's going to do much next year, 
he, they could save just up to five million in space and go and get a rookie. Um, so I think that with a pinch of salt, James Cook, I don't think is going to ever become a full workhorse because that's not what the Buffalo Bills do. But I think that James Cook is a sneaky buy right now. He or sneaky buy high, I suppose. It's not very high, but he has been playing well, and people's opinions have left the first touch in the NFL being a fumble behind and have started to see him as a, an up-and-coming rookie. I think that you could buy on that and he could be a bit more consistent um, and essentially become the next Devin Singletary with a bit of a, a more consistent higher upside. But coming back on Devin Singletary, I think that he's, a, he's been incredible for people this season who have essentially had him for, for near nothing. Um, even when a lot of the fancy community were quite out on Devin Singletary, Rich. Yep, absolutely. Yep. So, um, Rich, I'm just going to give an update on this because neither of us have um, a player for the flex off competition. Um, because of my two-week hiatus, um, I left after winning um, the week 14 matchup, which was Dante Foreman was scoring 8.5 points, which is Rich's player, versus Donovan Peoples-Jones, who Rich spoke about. Um, was it last week or the week before, Rich? It, it's all moulding into one for me at the moment, but over the past two weeks, um, we're just under 20 points. So at the end of the season, we ended up with uh, six points to me to five, uh, to Rich's five um, I'm not going to dwell on that too much because Rich has some important news that I'm going to just hand over to him and let let him do the speaking from now on. Uh, yeah, so uh, so today is my my final day with Five Yard. It's my final Dynasty podcast. We'll be doing together, Liam. Sadly, um, hopefully, we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll we'll join back on in the future and do some pods. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm um, yeah, in, incredible. Thank you to to Stocks and Murph and and all the guys took a chance on me and, and we started this up just over two years ago now. Um, it's been a great ride. It's been great fun. Um, Learned a lot hopefully helped people win championships but yeah so i'm i'm going to be moving on um couple of big big ventures planned for me in the off season that i will be so one i've got my rookie draft guide um which will be dropping the first edition will be dropping in end of january um with kind of updates as the off season goes on and then yeah i've i've got a, a, a another announcement that will probably be dropping about mid january on twitter um so yeah if if you're not following me come and uh, jump on there Rich teasing all of the new stuff, but yeah, Rich, it's been a pleasure. Um, I never thought this day would come, but here it is last the last final five yard dynasty pod with both of us on it. Um, I'm glad it could be back for the final one. Um, uh, I wasn't decorating the, the new house, but yeah, um, it's been a pleasure. And I'm gonna say one final thank you for bringing me onto the show because. This was the first podcast I ever did um, back in, it would have been March, April, May, sometime in that time, um, uh, 2021. Um, hyped up a bit of Nico Collins and Amari Rogers, and I kind of regret Amari Rogers now, even though he was my guy from that, that uh, rookie class. But um, yeah, it, it's been a pleasure. And um, for one last time, Rich, Feel free to do the sign off. I know that this wasn't planned, but you deserve it. <laughs> no, thank thank you very much. Um, yeah, it, it's been a fantastic two years, Liam. Um, thank you for coming on. Thank you for putting up for me with me as long as you have. And uh, yeah, hopefully, guys, we will uh, we will hear about your titles that you're going to win over the coming week. Um, but we'll see you again soon. And take care.
HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm gonna do this to protect myself. Do it for them, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.